Stop, stop, I submit. I thought you only said Vindor. It's so the other guys think I'm strong and dumb, but I'm not. I love to read. Hello and welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me are... Bill Woywad. Adam Bowen. Emily Bowen-Marler. And Rudy Kuzbaker. Strange New Takes is a brand new Star Trek-themed pod. We're supposed to be covering Strange New Worlds, but since that's not going to come out for a year or two, we're just jumping straight in and covering Lower Decks. Today, we're super excited to bring you our strange new takes for Lower Decks Episode 3, Temporal Edict. But before we get there, we want to encourage you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, make sure to tell your friends to listen to us. We love getting strange new listeners from all over the world, and your recommendations will get us there. Also, don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps put us on the podcast discovery lists. And just as a head up, this podcast and literally all of our podcasts include spoilers for this episode and potentially other episodes of Star Trek and or fandom. If you haven't had a chance to watch Temporal Edict and don't want to be spoiled, feel free to hold off on this episode until you get the chance to watch. And if you don't care, just jump right in with us. Let's move on to talking about the episode summary of uh, Temporal Edict. A new work protocol eliminating buffer time has a Cerritos crew running ragged as they try to keep up with their Titan schedules. Ensign Mariner and Commander Ransom's mutual lack of respect comes to a head during an away mission. I stole that summary from Memory Alpha and I thought it was pretty succinct. Mm-hmm. It always the only thing what we need. Yeah, yeah. I think the only thing it was missing was crystals! Crystals, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, strange new takes. Who's got a strange new take? I just have to say, all the haters out there, it is so obvious that there are TNG fans writing this show. Like, Absolutely. so obvious. Oh, yeah. Some of my favorite things to make fun of in Next Generation happened in this episode. And so I just, you know, anyway, that was my strange new take. Yeah, I think uh, my strange new take is uh, basically, I think that a cartoon was the absolute perfect next show for Star Trek to do. Uh, I think that we, we've sort of been building up this, uh, there are so many things that we just take for granted in Star Trek as just like, oh, that's totally a normal thing, but are completely ridiculous. And I, I just love that we now have this place where we can just make fun of them. Uh, and kind of, uh, I don't know, we've, we've just been accidentally building up comedy gold for the past however many decades. <laughs> and uh, I'm just, I'm absolutely <laughs> loving that. But I think even on a more serious note, I, uh, there are some things about Star Trek that are, I think, kind of antithetical to the uh, kind of the, these messages they're trying to give us. Because a, a lot of Star Trek kind of goes into, uh, uh, super, like, exemplary ethics or having really great uh, uh, ideas of like what the future, what a good government is or what uh, what freedom should mean for people. And I think that in some ways uh, Star Trek has always been about like super special people that are like the best captain in Starfleet who has the flagship ship. He's the only one that's able to do anything worthwhile. And what I just like is that we're getting this sense of uh, what's bad about the people that we love and uh, we can sort of have we can poke fun at things but we can also have a serious critique of Star Trek and a cartoon is one of the best places for us to do that yeah yeah and for me um, just two or three quick things firstly I just loved the pad as a weapon um, when the crew took control again, I, I don't know. I don't oh, think yeah. it was funny to too many awesome. people, but I fell down laughing when that one of those 
um, officers just planted one at the head. I think it was a couple of things, right? <laughs> it was used three, four times, and I just love that. Yeah. I have to say shout out to um, our pre-podcast recording last week with Dinah and I talking about Anne of Green Gables. I think that's a shout out to Anne of Green Gables and oh, Anne breaking yeah. her slate over Gilbert's head. So anyway. There we go. It was <laughs> obviously <laughs> a Anne of Green Gables. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. See, it's... see, Anne of Green Gables and Star Trek can totally intersect. Okay. okay, sorry. Coming soon on our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing, the other couple of things for me was uh, one of the first instances when a member of the command crew actually comes through completely, right? That was that was interesting, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing the right thing and um, a weird um, chemistry between Mariner and, and Ransom also. Mm, and last so but not ethical. least... <laughs> so ethical. Yeah, and last but not least, um, Miles O'Brien. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave it there. Okay. So my take is hot and strange. Temporal edict. It has all the sexual tension that you never knew you wanted in Star Trek. Or that they tried okay. to force in that's awkwardly. <laughs> no, I thought it was. Right. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's awkward, but you know. Oh, I'm. I'm all these previous attempts at it have been like just lots of uh, lubing down scenes and Enterprise uh, that I didn't need to oh, see. Oh God. <laughs> or just Jordy being creepy. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. My 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 strange new take is that. When I saw the name of the episode, I was like, all right, this is the time travel episode where we're going to make fun of all the ways that Star Trek oh, yeah. ruins time travel. No. Well, well, I, I have sat there, and I, this this is, might be a testament to how, how much of an idiot I am, but we'll see. I tried to think, like, what temporal edict? Like, what is... what is The only edict in this is the Boimler effect at the very end. What is temporal? I don't understand. Like, where did the name of this episode come from? Well, isn't it and, kind and of what she gave? Like, it was what Captain Freeman kind of it, it she declared called. a temporal edict. Oh, I, I paused on that. yeah, I paused on that part of the episode, and it actually is called "Temporal Edict" as the heading of her message. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Uh, see, I, I I don't think I'm an idiot. I think that was that was something that was a that was a mini, miniature kind of like. Hard to catch thing, but now it makes sense because it's an edict about time. Okay, yeah. all right. I still what, what, really what? want that that temporal. Uh, I need that time travel episode. Like that's oh, they'll have it. You know they're gonna go there for sure. No. But this was okay. So let's let's move on and talk about the story and the writing. This was the away mission episode, and the this alien has one thing that they do, and that is it. Episode, <laughs> right? Like Crystals. these are the crystal aliens. And this, <laughs> this was the away mission, um, and, and, and Emily, you said that this was, there was a bunch of next generation stuff that this episode touches on mm-hmm. as well, and I got that too. Yeah, for sure. Well, like for me, it was the funny. Like I picked up on a lot of the funny things. Like if it had been a TNG episode, it wouldn't have been ransom. It would have been Riker thrusting his junk up towards Data's face. But, like, you know, on his console, you know how he'd always stick his foot up on the console and Data would turn Riker and lean. it's like, whoo, <laughs> I, I didn't need to see that part of you, Riker. <laughs> so it's the Riker lean. <laughs> yes, yes. That's a nicer way to say it than what I said. But um, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I thought, uh, but that but definitely the, um, the, crystals being like everything crystals and their what was their weapon called the adjudication geode yes (laughs) Uh, it's a type of constitutional geode (laughs) (laughs) and and when when he says adjudication geode someone in the back says crystals (laughs) (laughs) i just i just love that like these single note aliens uh, were around and um I guess the other thing with, with with the buffer time piece and how this is another thing that I think the series is showing us that relates to our lives mm-hmm. uh, and, and the work that we do or like how we tell people like, you know, a friend calls me up and says like, hey, when are you going to get this thing to me? And I I'll always add like a few hours because mm-hmm. or a few days, like I'm not sure if I'll have the time. And I feel like this 
it was very it's become a very relatable show in yeah, many ways for mm-hmm. sure well and that was scotty's um that was scotty's advice to Jordy. you know oh yeah. you don't actually tell the captain how much time it's going to take you to do something you double it and then when you get it done fast they call you the miracle worker or whatever <laughs> so they took that i mean they took that quote you know, from that episode of TNG mm-hmm. and just blew it into it, took it to its logical <laughs> yes. extreme, right? And made yes. a whole episode about it. Yes. Yeah. And I, I like how they, uh, I mean, getting back to uh, the thing of like the format that they can do with uh, this cartoon. Like, I, I still think it, it's kind of interesting that we still learned a lesson at the end. Like, like this is still a Star Trek that is like trying to teach us good things about the world and like how to interact with people, even though it's completely ridiculous the entire time and just making fun of itself and everything else. And it just, I, I I love that they somehow weave that into everything. It took the eyes of a child to see what we are blind to. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That was so great. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's, it's, I, I find myself, you know, taking all of these notes when I'm writing and all the notes like I mean I'm showing the pad on our zoom call right now which I don't think it's too washed out for y'all to see but it's entirely white yeah it's it's all quotes though it's all quotes it's just so much so that when it was time for me to take a note that wasn't a quote I put two quotation marks as used to writing it (laughs) like we've said this I think on our last episode we could just read out the episode like Mm -hmm. transcript be like ah that was a good one yeah you know it's it's (laughs) so witty the jokes land so well and i'm struggling to think of something where i'm like ah that line didn't hit or like Mm -hmm. that thing wasn't quite there it's it's so rare to have a show like that yeah what did y'all what did y'all think about um i think we touched upon this in in one of the uh, previous episodes about the the inferiority complex that um, um the captain has and she really feels bad that she got sidestepped for that uh, piece of court. I was mm-hmm. actually looking forward to uh, seeing Cardassians in, in animated form. Um, plus, um, they have been now called out as behaving creepy, so even more interesting. So I'm really <laughs> looking forward to them uh, coming up in the future. But um, a couple of things there. It, it almost sounded like... So, so firstly, there's an inferiority complex and... Uh, maybe she's been passed up before. Didn't sound like, you know, the, the whole episode rode on her feeling bad and and sort of trying to, you know, uh, get the get the crew up to speed on, on what she thought would be the standard required um, to get the right missions. And I, I just felt that um, she was... Um, do you guys feel that a lot rides on the captain and and like the the first officer here had had nothing to do with that decision process where she just changed i know it's an animated show right so there's a bit of exaggeration but the the whole entire the whole episode pivoted on the fact that she was dissatisfied in herself and her crew and her ship and yeah um thoughts on that like captain driven ships completely well, did you notice that um, so all of the characters had the dark circles under their eyes, except for Boimler, Boimler and Mariner and Ransom, but even the captain did. So like so it wasn't it wasn't just the lower deckers that were running ragged. You know, there were actually senior officers that were running ragged as well. And um, well, you know, when you're a woman serving as a captain, you got to do everything, you know, twice as well. Right. Yeah. To be able to be taken half as seriously. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, that could, there could be some element of that, too. Like, she just feels a whole lot more riding on her because, you know, in the 24th century, maybe they're they're not as as advanced as we'd like to think they are when it comes to I mean, uh, in, gender roles, perhaps. In, in the 23rd century, apparently, women aren't allowed to be captains, oh, uh, if we remember. Don't even get me started on that episode. <laughs> so, it enrages yeah, me. I, I'm not sure if they've gotten beyond everything, absolutely. But, uh, oh, yeah. That episode is infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> you are referencing an episode of the original series? The yes. last episode, yeah. Okay, I have not watched that, so. Doesn't that Spoilers. in the cage? No, it's no. Uh, that's it's, just sexist in a different way. Oh yeah, no, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, all that, of that the original backstage. series is sexist. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they did some interesting things with race, but they did they did really not push the envelope too much on gender. I don't think, but yeah, um, yeah. 
not not too terribly much. And it, it was like I I uh, I think they it would have been interesting to see if the cage actually turned into the series because I I, I get the sense that they might have been trying to uh, I guess like take that into like whatever the uh, their version of feminism was going to turn out to be uh, in just in having uh, number one be a woman. I, I feel like that they were going to try to take something with that, but also they sort of sabotaged themselves immediately by having her fall in love with Kirk. So uh, who knows what it would have been. Well, yeah, they... and, and you, you, you got to also keep in mind wh- which time it was being written in, where civil rights was being spoken of a lot. It yeah. was still a little ways to go in until we had uh, the feminist revolution. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, I, I think we we see that it's it's it is a product of its time and this is a good reason why there are like you know i'm going to use supreme court language but there are like uh what is it originalists and structuralists or whatever of, of like star trek who are like well if it was in the original series it's canon <laughs> and you cannot like contradict and my my approach is like try not to but there's objectionable stuff and dumb stuff oh yeah yeah all yeah. over star trek yeah, and to bring it back to lower decks, completely forget about. Yeah, right. And, and and to bring it back to lower decks a little bit, this is I think what you were saying, Adam, which is that this uh, this show allows us to make fun of that stuff in a in a way that seems reverential rather than, or or at least mm-hmm. it, it doesn't like tear apart the show. It it, yeah, it says yeah. that that was dumb, and we're gonna laugh at it, and it's okay. And I think to talk about the writing again that that is something i think that is such a hard balance to strike making sure that the fans feel like their love the franchise they love is feels respected while yeah. still poking fun at it and these writers seem to be filling their episodes with these kind of little jokes that i don't know how canon they really are like you know the klingon guy saying engineer whatever you're going to die today because you oh, can yeah, hear the yeah. bass guitar um or and stuff like that which is clearly cartoonish and it's not like you know it it strains credulity a little bit mm-hmm. but because it's a cartoon it's okay and and this boimler humming the tng theme and this turbo lift oh there's i little love stuff that. like I that. that i was oh, so excited exactly. about that part <laughs> and and so this is the thing with the writing is that they keep throwing in all these little references where they either make fun of things that we as star trek fans find funny or they're throwing in these things that strain credulity a little bit because they're just again going for humor. Yeah. Well, and I I think to some degree, uh, if we, uh, well, I I think Discovery tried to do some of these things and even tried humor with a, a few things, but th- there's there's a limitation to like how far they can go because also uh, some of the critiques that lower decks can just easily throw out there if they did it in discovery you'd have uh, everyone writing onto uh, reddit posts of how they're just shitting all over our our favorite <laughs> ch- ch- series and like uh kirk would never do that or it w- wouldn't stand for this and blah 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 but like it's uh yeah i i think that there's there's so much that they can do and i'm just i'm really glad that they are using this medium to do something uh it's not just like dumb saturday morning cartoon with like oh and it's spaceships i am excited for when we get to talk about a little discovery but hey let's uh, let's talk about characters <laughs> uh boimler rudy what did you think about boimler in this episode what did we learn about boimler that's new um well one of the things that we we already talked about a little bit is he's he's a he's a tng file right with the uh, violin and the and the river tap dance was a combination of data and and beverly crusher in there and mm-hmm. uh, all, all that fun stuff <laughs> and he is he is uh not in need of buffer time so a big important um a positive characteristic that i didn't think we've seen before so and then obviously the bit that he's spoke the captain through right um in, in terms of regaining her confidence so it was a net net positive boimler episode mm-hmm. um but yeah total total dng file um love that I'm, I'm gonna put a few things out there and i want you all to tell me what you think okay this came from full disclosure this came from a post on reddit that i read boimler is not human i in wondered the first about episode that. 
He includes Earth as one of the planets he's visited. He has purple hair, which, I mean, you know, you never know. It, purple hair could be a thing that genetically is developed later in the human race. Uh, he doesn't need buffer time at all. Uh, he's just kind of superhuman, able to just do whatever. And then the captain says it took the eyes of a child, even though he looks like a fully formed adult. So I'm just saying that there are some clues in there that Boimler isn't actually a human being. Well, and he even said, didn't he say, um, you know, the rest of the crew, they're not, the rest of them aren't Boimlers. You know, they're human, they're, and he named some other aliens. And, and yes, yeah, which made me think he was not human. Hmm. Except I, I haven't really considered that. But yeah. I, I mean, an obvious thing that I'm, that I'm thinking through now is like, uh, could he be another Soong type android or something like that? Uh, he, like that might little... fit. He's a little pale, right? Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I could, I could see that. Um, they did show his like the inside of his leg though in the first episode, and there are muscles there, so he could be like a very mm-hmm. human. Yeah, uh, one step uh, beyond Data's mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that sounds like a Reddit post to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. 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 Any other final Boimler takes before we move on? What's what's with the eagle next to him on that um, statue thing at the end? Like, the, and they all, they gave it like a, a label as well. Best Boimler bird of the effect. Gal- no, oh, no. the Great Bird of the Galaxy. Oh, that's yeah, what that's what they call Gene yeah. Roddenberry. Ah, so that okay. Yeah, oh. I I caught that the first time I watched the episode, but I did I wasn't paying attention when I was taking my notes. But that yeah. they said with the Great Bird of the Galaxy, which is Gene Roddenberry. Uh, yeah, cool. it, that sounded familiar, but I couldn't place it. Yeah, okay. that's because you all are youngins, you know. Yeah, and I'm I'm not okay. a real Star Trek fan, so uh, <laughs> this is yet again. Uh, I, I will yeah, so, finally oh. go ahead, Bill. Yeah, just one last comment about Boimler. You know, compared to the last episode, uh, the situation was totally inverted, and he was kind of vindicated. Right, this was mm-hmm. his environment to really shine and and be successful. Yeah, it was nice to see. And, and speaking of the episode focusing on folks, the other Lower Decks character focused on was Mariner, who we learned plays guitar really well. <laughs> really well or really loudly? That's the same thing. I mean, you know. <laughs> I, I, I am not as much of a fan of metal, so I couldn't, like, critique whether it was good. Uh, I wonder if it was, like, if they got, like, Tom Morello, who's a huge Star Trek fan, um... To, to come in and, and record those guitar, but I don't think so. <laughs> but, oh, that makes me think uh, of Pacific Rim. That has the best music. <laughs> right? Uh, well, okay, so what, what, what did we learn about Mariner in this episode? What do you all think about the things we learned as well? I'm, I'm just going to go back since I, I didn't get a chance to talk through the previous two episodes. Um I don't know about Mariner as well. I'm I'm gonna use your Reddit post for Boimler and the kind of experience she has. Um, she's like a combination of Seven of Nine and Jadzia Dax, where she's got these past experiences and she's buddies with Klingons and she's got like five scars to speak through and she mm-hmm. cannot be the same in the same wheelhouse in terms of age of these other guys right and and start starfleet is again i'm assuming um uh, a rank driven age driven organization so usually people are guessing within 10 years of each other but it's it's really interesting the kind of knowledge she has i don't know if she may be may not be the biological daughter of um her parents because she just she just has too much experience um too much knowledge and she looks like she's she's like a a grade not even uh, a command crew type person but like an a grade um flagship kind of command crew type of person and and she's stuck here on on a bc grade ship lower decks so um I just, I, yeah, I, I don't think she could be of the same age and awareness as her peers. Well, uh, She's... Boimler in the previous episode did say that they're the same age, uh, which I guess that also pokes some holes in our our idea of him being a baby 
or something like that. Well, he he well, says well, we're he the same be, age. He could okay, be like so 150, and so could so could she, right? Like they could both be like 150 years old. Who knows? But but oh, maybe. I don't know. There there are a lot of things in Star Trek where if you actually think about them in detail, they don't make any sense. <laughs> so I mean, the timeline with her age. Crystals. What are you yeah. saying? No, that's not it, true. I mean, you're right, Rudy. It doesn't really make any sense, but you know. <laughs> Writer's discretion, uh, maybe. I I can't find this quote uh, anywhere, but Mariner basically just tells you what the character brief for the writers is when she's in the prison. She she like describes herself, and I, I didn't write it down, so I can't remember now exactly what she says, which is a very dumb thing to say. But it, I I would look for a transcript of the show online. And it's not been posted yet, so I don't know if any of you got that. She she says something about like how she approaches life, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh man! If I'm a, a smart person, I will put the little line that she says right now. I will I will put it in <laughs> while I'm editing, so you as the listener can judge whether I did my job or not. You know what? I do get off on breaking protocol. I'm good at exploring strange new worlds, solving space mysteries, and kicking asses. Protocol is for people that need to be told what to do, which I don't. <laughs> Unfortunately, we we won't be able to know like have the wisdom of what the line actually was <laughs> while we have this conversation <laughs> is this the doing the right thing for the wrong reason kind of thing um or is that yeah that? yeah i feel like that's the line i feel like before that's, she that's gets the stabbed line. in the foot yeah mm-hmm. okay well, everyone you know, she... just make a make it uh, take a moment now to to act as if you just learned something about her character and oh, yeah. like know her a lot better now mm-hmm well, do any oh, of you wow. feel like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really she yeah. is like the like the super genius in class that is totally a screw off because they know everything and there's like nothing that the class can teach them. And mm-hmm. so they just do whatever the hell they want. Like, that's totally the way she is, you know. Yeah, and and it's one it's 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 a situation where again it just sets us up for that. I think it's Dinah who made the point that there's going to be that episode where she gets, uh, you know, she learns something new, and that's going to be like a, a moment where she, where we, we all stop and pay attention. Um, the the other thing I think we we should talk about with Mariner, but I think it's true of all of the the characters in the show and this is something i should credit my partner for ariel for noticing all of the women on the show get little uh eyeliner stuff mm-hmm. on their eyes and all of the men don't and i i when she pointed out i was like huh i wonder why that is like she was like that's super gendered and i was like uh-huh well, i was thinking like is there a reason for that and i thought i would bring it up just now and see if y'all could help me figure out besides just like isn't that like a isn't that like an eyelash to just notate gender isn't that like standard animated uh the, 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 the it? pointy but thing at the top <laughs> we don't need that shit <laughs> yeah we need, we need more uh men in skirts right mm. we, well we I'm had the wedding sure. uh, boimler was in his wedding dress uh last episode yeah <laughs> that's true oh yeah he was yeah yeah <laughs> I'm um, about it. I, I, it was kind of interesting to me that she brought up so ethical, and I think y'all pointed out. I, I think it's Emily who pointed out in in the notes that it's because he was shirtless, perhaps. So maybe it's like <laughs> misdirection. She's not. She doesn't care about the ethics, but she just needs something to say. But it's kind of interesting for me to see, like after that whole like I do the right thing for the wrong reasons thing, for her to say so ethical because she's not ethical. Sometimes she does things unethically to get the right result, right? But she is ethical. She may not follow the rules, but, um, you know, like the very first act we see her doing that has any meaning is when she's trying to get the um, farm utensils to the people on the, I can't remember, is it the Gallardonians? It is. Yeah, it totally is. Big people. Um, You know, but so, but she's doing something ethical. Now she's not doing it in the way that Starfleet would have her do it. There's like a bureaucracy and red line, red tape that she has to go through, redlining and red tape that she has to go through. Um, But but she's ultimately doing something that's really good and ethical. She's making sure that people have access to what they need for food. So, Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah, I loved I loved the uh, shirtless Kirk fight. 
that you just mentioned, Notch, and the two fist. Yes. You know, oh, like, yeah. like the least that was... effective like fighting maneuver ever. Yes. Like, like we're, we're going to go ransom. It, yeah, but he didn't. The the only thing I was really disappointed about was he didn't do the butt drop. Do you know how Shatner would do this? Like he would like oh. plant both feet on the wall yeah. and then yeah. and then just sit on his opponent. <laughs> and I was waiting for that. I really was, and we didn't get it. So you know, maybe in the next episode. Oh, and he had like two different names for it too. You know, he's like double fist punch, and then yeah. later he was like clasped hands. You know, like, interlocking he had, like, hands. Yeah, interlocking but, but then, hands. And when he's when he's doing the beating, he's like Kurt Spock, Kurt Spock. Yeah. Oh, what did he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, I didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I was waiting for that move in the last episode because there or was it the I can't remember I think it was last episode they had a big oh when they had the fight in the um, Andorian bar I was like oh come on come on someone do the double oh, fist I, yeah, and I, no one did it and so I was so happy to see it in this one yeah I actually looked for that too hey let's let's quickly get through Tendi and Rutherford because I think we can um, they didn't have much to do in this episode I, I, I thought and mm-hmm. it's I'm kind of disappointed about that yeah mm. so you guys is so rutherford i thought his shtick was going to be in the first episode that his cyborg thing would like glitch out and result in comedy but that didn't happen at all i is that so is that over is his cyborg stuff not malfunctioning well uh, yeah, it did yeah, seem yeah. to help not him after with, that with, yeah yeah okay. with, with the with the temporal edict thing it didn't Mm-mm. do anything it didn't help him like get worked on any faster yeah they were just oh, yeah. susceptible to lack of buffer time and just sort of failing, right? They were there were a couple of scenes where they um, got together and and were just sharing how how bad they were in in doing stuff. So right, that, that was yeah, it. Was there anything that. else? I don't even remember. Yeah, <laughs> the they didn't really do anything. Episode. The only thing about ten, the only other thing Tendi did was play the drums in the yep. movie. <laughs> yeah, suspended <laughs> from a shoulder <laughs> and great make custom. great expression. And then uh, the other thing she she did was kind of be surprised about Buffer Time's existence, which was, uh, uh, you know, yes. we have Boimler being the by the book person, but Tendi's a person who wants to be by the book, but then like figures out, oh, I don't have to, and it's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of mess things up. Maybe, maybe the thing about Rutherford's implants is that they need martinis. Well, it was martinis. Margaritas. Margaritas to recharge. That's why. <laughs> but. I, I, I do hope we get a Tendi and Rutherford intensive episode or two because I think, you know, they're still establishing the characters. So I could see why they want Boimler and Mariner because they're the, like, main characters, like the faces of the show to, to get the most time right now. But I do feel kind of like, ah, come on, tell us something more about these two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill, you brought up Ransom and, and the fight, and we got that already. I want to point out one of the first things we saw Ransom do uh, in this episode uh, as they were taking off on the away mission was tell Mariner to put her uniform sleeves down, not to cuff her sleeves. Mm. And that is actually at least as far as I think it's a reference to Tuvok in uh, the Voyager episode Learning Curve where he's training these Maki that are like misfit on Voyager Mm because like in season 6 or season 7, I forget when it was, they remembered, oh right! We added those Maki back in season one. <laughs> Some of them might have had trouble adjusting to the crew. They didn't all just like immediately, you know, become productive crew members. And so they, they had did to, like, for go six back. seasons, and then they yeah. were yeah. and, and yeah. then they had yeah, they had problems. Um, but there's, there's one character. If if I if I remember her name correctly, it's Henley, and she wears a headband, and he's like, mm-hmm. "That headband is not regulation," <laughs> and. Uh, and so that, that's what that kind of reminded me of. So, When they did that with, um, I feel like they did that with uh, Ro, Ensign Ro, with yeah, her, um, caught on to her about told the, her to take her earring off. Yeah. Right, right the Bajoran earring. Mm-hmm. And Ransom also makes three references to aliens in this episode that we've seen in other Star Trek. Yeah. Are you quizzing us? Which ones? Sure, it's in the notes too. But you can you can you can try to guess what he does. <laughs> um, what did they call? What was the name of the alien that killed Tasha Yar? Like the species. Ooh, the, the sentient Tar, as he calls it. Is that what he yeah, called yeah. it? The sentient, yeah. the sentient Tar. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was one of my favorite lines. It was uh, 
uh, Armas, the malevolent yes. entity who killed Thasha Yar in Skin of Evil, as this yes. is I'm reading from Memory Alpha, but uh, <laughs> he references the Mugato, the the gorilla, the white gorilla suit oh, yeah. thing with the horn on its head that yeah. you see in original series in uh, Private he, Little War. Does he mention? Does he uh, talk about Targs? No, that was the, the sentient Tar. Oh, the oh, sentient Tar. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 yeah, that's. <clears throat> Yeah, sorry. I, sometimes the accent doesn't, you know, I can't uh, enunciate as well. But the other thing he does is he talks about, well, at least what some folks thought was a reference to this side of paradise, the original series episode, where some members of the U.S. Enterprise crew are infected with spores that make them happy at the cost of their ambitions. Uh, except in Ransom's case, it makes him hook up with his best friend's sister. Oh, that <laughs> makes was the reference. Him. Oh. Air quotes, makes him... Uh, but uh, yeah so what about Ransom what do y'all guys think our first look in-depth look at, at Commander Ransom well it's, it's just great it's just so much fun to have the bridge crew be kind of one-dimensional jerks and like Rudy to your point earlier about the captain I mean it, it actually in a way offers an opportunity for much richer storytelling um, because you know the, the crew has like <clears throat> conflict from the kind of alien of the week or whatever and then also you know their bosses being jerks uh above them so um yeah and ransom is you know it's it's just really fun to flip it on its head and, and make all the bridge crew kind of incompetent egomaniacs i i actually uh th- there was a moment where i thought the episode was going to go a different direction uh where so right after he stabs her in the foot and goes and he's going to take on the mo- the monster himself i had a moment of like oh this is a cartoon we could just crush uh uh ransom to death in this episode and just like <laughs> it, like because like i feel like in a lot in a lot of cartoons that are this sort of uh tone they might just kill off a character and if it's funny uh mm. but uh, I, I I kind of like that they instead went with the more traditional Star Trek storyline of like for some reason he's able to just defeat this person who spends all his life just like killing people uh, in in lieu of adjudication ge- geo trials. And, but he uh, likes to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I felt so bad for Vindor. I really liked I Vindor. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I did love that. Uh, uh, Ransom started out the the uh, his internment uh, writing a speech on the wall that was going to convince them yes. to let them all go. That, I, yeah, the classic, classic, amazing Star Trek. Uh, yeah, it's almost like he fails, right? He fails. So he fails multiple times. He fails when he first tries to barter piece after the the wood is shown instead of the crystal and then the, the perverted wooden sex charm of our enemies yeah. and, and then he fails again um uh, with the speech and behind bars and then mm-hmm. we think he is going to fail again but he just sort of comes through and and i mean he's he is he is duty driven he is ethical he is moral he totally expects Mariner to, to report him, right? And he, he's basically like, give me some time. I have all these weights I need to <laughs> back. Um, and then and but you're okay with her. him stabbing Mariner's foot? Like, you're okay with him, like... I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, that's the, do the, do the wrong things for the right reason, right? And he, he that's, that's what drives him, right? Um, um, I, I'm actually going to go back to where he totally is at the mercy of Mariner and he thinks she's gonna report him and, and she doesn't. And then and then he cites regulation on her and puts her in the brig. Um, but yeah, so he's duty driven. I, I think there's depth to these characters, right? Both the captain and him. Um, there's depth that we'll investigate uh, later. But just a quick thought, maybe shifting gears a little bit. Did you guys ever talk about this being a primarily engineering ship? Did y'all notice the color patterns on the ships? I read that somewhere. I think it's Mike McMahon who, who brought it up. There's there's ships that have like a yellow decal, ships that have a blue decal, and then those that don't have huh. any decal or red decal. And so blue is medical, yellow is engineering, and the Cerritos is yellow. So are these, um, so essentially 
you know, quote unquote engineering ships, or these guys um, ransom uh, the captain, or these guys primarily of an engineering major. Um, hmm. He doesn't sound I, like one. He's yeah. I, I mean, I I did notice the the decal, but I I kind of I chalked it up to just kind of like, oh well we have to change the style somehow like it's mostly tng but like let's update it a little bit but that's an interesting idea that they are actually yeah. designating that on the ships themselves because i don't recall that happening ever yeah, yeah. uh well, like there are science ships, ships. Like, yeah yeah but they're, but they not not as like a they didn't dress them up in the same way that the uniforms are dressed up it's just like if it's a yeah. uh, uh a little miranda class like it's probably uh a a science vessel or it's a hundred years later and it's just uh, we don't have the budget to invent a new star <laughs> starship so we're just going to reuse assets but uh yeah yeah i i don't know this is one of my gripes this is a great example of something about star trek that when you think about it it like almost immediately doesn't make any sense the divisions like tendy is a science officer she just does science like uh astrophysics microbiology whatever she was like you know calibrating the the phase transducers and she's like oh i have to go assist in a surgery and you know yeah yeah and i'll and i'll do so mm -hmm. and i'll fight some bad guys or like along the way it's like you know for a show that endeavors to be so like to honor science so much it, it really it's pretty like surface level <clears throat> from that perspective I mean, there's a proud tradition of that in Star Trek, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking in particular of the uh, the episode where they crack the shell of a black hole in uh, Voyager and uh, have to escape the event horizon, which is also... They, I think, they seem to think that it is a, like, physical object that needs to be punctured. <laughs> Did any let's of you not, notice... Let's... Janeway oh. Protocol. <laughs> Did any of you notice that the blue or the science uniforms they have white shoes? I thought that was interesting. No. Oh, Everyone, I, I have noticed the, the other. Hmm, yeah, yeah. The I mean, the if you're um, if you're a command or engineering track, you have black shoes. But if you're if you're science track and you have a blue uniform, you have white shoes. I thought that was interesting. I did, I yeah, I did notice, notice the white episode. shoes, but I didn't connect the the purpose for that. Huh. Yeah, I don't know why it's that way, but Catch I just spatters. <laughs> hey, at this point in the show, I'm going to say we should take a quick break. We'll be right back, everybody. Hey, sorry about the whole invading your ship thing, you know. Very uncrystallike of us. Don't worry about it. I'd rather be here <coughs> with you yep. than with those freaks on Mavic Prime. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We're talking about Lower Decks Episode 3, Temporal Edict. Our final character that we need to talk about is Captain Freeman. Rudy, you talked a little bit about the feeling of inferiority. Like, I gotta be better. I gotta be better. Like, at one point she says, uh, repel all intruders, but do not use it as an excuse to stop doing what you're doing. I want you to stay on track and on time. It's called multitasking people. They do it on the Enterprise all the time. And I feel like this is not the first character we've heard talking up the Enterprise. She even has a a delta shift that Edward Jellico put into place on the Enterprise yeah. when he was in charge over there. So, um, yeah, I, I caught some of that stuff too. You know, it's funny. I heard. I can't remember where I heard it. It was on a panel or something where they were talking about a lot of the writers reference Jellico in the writers' room. So I don't know what their infatuation is with Jellico because I hate him. But anyway, so. <laughs> But that, the only good thing why, for him is right? he got Deanna in a uniform. But other than that, I mean that that, that is that is huge uh, in terms of like making Star Trek actually do what it's supposed to be about. Like it, she didn't need to be in that uh, weird leotard thing for right, forever. Right, for sure. Well, and it's a good thing that Star Trek Voyager and Enterprise learned from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, put, definitely. You know, one of yeah, their they never never did it ever the, again. Never, yeah, never. Exactly. But, uh, so for, are we on the Freeman is Jellicoe train right now? Is this what happened to Edward Jellicoe, basically? <laughs> he was on the I Cerritos. Know. I think we need to make a Reddit post about this, you guys. Yes, Jellicoe I think so. Freeman. 
It would all make sense if you think about Either it. Either that or maybe Jellico is Freeman's mentor. And so that's, you know. Well, and I'm trying to remember the, the style of ship that he came from. Because uh, it, it looked... I'm feeling vaguely Nebula class type thing, which uh, the Cerritos looks a little bit like that. So, hmm. it's like proof, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, listeners, when you make that Reddit post uh, or Trek BBS <laughs> post or whatever, make sure to reference us and, and link to our episode, okay? Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, or um, if we're wrong, take a picture of it and uh, uh, use. Make sure to print my name as how dumb I am because I I just reference something that's not true at all. <laughs> While, so while I, I we're go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. okay, uh, while we're at our captain, um, I was wondering who the peace treaty was between, uh-huh. and what was this Cardassian dance that she was <laughs> um, she practiced yeah. because I, I don't think I've come across one um, before. So yeah, yeah, they, they don't strike me as big dancers. But no, maybe I'm no. Wrong about that. too much, too much makeup. Yeah. Um, they did. They did <laughs> fall every time a Cardassian fell. You would have some funky hair moving around in a completely disheveled way. That that was almost uh, yeah. Ridiculous. I forgot about that wonderful hair. Yeah. Oh yes. It was all gelled back when they were standing upright. When they fell, it was just uh, yeah. It's like it's like a man ten inches long, right in front, and just yeah. Back, yeah. But then you know it just flop forward. If yeah. Yeah. Little Donald Trump action or something with him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just what one final thing in Freeman, which is if this was an episode of Next Generation, this is this is now like perpetually in my mind. Like if because because McMahon in the Ready Room, he kind of he he says a lot of like the same things that we talked about in our first Lord X piece, which was this is basically what happens behind the scenes of a next generation episode right and now that's made me think like what what would this be if this was the next generation episode on the on the away planet we wouldn't see the wrangling between mariner and ransom we just see them getting captured then ransom having the fight and coming back we wouldn't know that vindor loves to read so all of that is pretty obvious but with freeman would we be seeing freeman in a more like sympathetic light or would we still see this person who listens to the ensign but is super condescending about it and doesn't really pay attention you know mm-hmm. well I, I think a voyager like at least when we saw the previews for this episode i remember a lot of episodes of voyager seemed to like be like oh captain you haven't slept in 74 hours like how are you possibly doing this now like i i, I think that that's kind of the bent or the direction that we've gotten in the past and maybe that's what how they would have done this episode but yeah but like if if you are seeing this only from freeman's point of view though hmm. would this be a more sympathetic captain because there have been some people and i'll give shout to star trek discovery pod who called picard a dick that even going back and watching old next generation episodes they're like wow captain picard if you really like think about it it's kind of a dick so would we would we be just excusing all of freeman's issues if we were seeing this episode from the like lens of a traditional Star Trek episode. Hmm. <clears throat> I, th- I think that's the idea, but not really. Um, I mean, the, the idea is just like you said, um, that we're viewing everything from the opposite angle. But if you actually think about this episode and the way Freeman behaved, I don't think if you just change the perspective that it, you know, makes her look good. Uh, let's, let's talk about how we've expanded the world of Trek in this episode. We got the Gelrakians, uh, the crystal people <laughs> that are now canon. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I loved all of the references to their rudimentary technology. Like, this, <laughs> we live in a spaceship. Nobody's dying of a spear wound. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, well, there was another one where it's like, swords and spears, how these people get on board? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how the crew is going to feel about our crystal graffiti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, they love like graffiti in the ship. Yeah. He, when Boimler just shoots them with a phaser. Yeah. He's like, wait, wait I, I have a phaser. These guys are lightweights. But I, I think they were better than the Galardonians. Um, there's a bit of Galagala <laughs> ga- 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 going around, right? Uh, yeah. I wonder if the. I wonder years. if all the aliens we meet are gonna be G aliens in this uh, in this series. I don't know. <laughs> like a writer's bet, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is every single episode so far has had the ship almost be taken over. Is is that the case? Um, it's mm, what last about episode. En- envoys. Did it happen in Envoy? Did we? I don't think in last episode. Zombies. Yeah, the zombies are the only one that I remember. But uh, did so you maybe notice every that other episode were... will be? <laughs> did you notice that their sc- their skin looked green on the planet, but it was more of a tan color on the ship? Did anyone else notice that? Huh. Mm. I don't know. It was because oh. as soon as they got on the ship, I was like, "Wait, they're a different color than they were on the planet." Well, the the sky, if I recall, has kind of a green hue to it, so it might be maybe yeah. The other thing I'll point out is that Shaxes got along well with them because Bajorans also uh, have sacred crystals. Mm. <laughs> so was able to make things make sense. Uh, we, we saw that there was an officer called, was it Vendomi? Or the guy who gets stabbed, the Volian, uh, from, from the yeah, ship. Yeah, Vendome. Vendome, that's right. And he's kind of like, he laughs uh, at all of Ransom's jokes. <laughs> So, so <laughs> yeah. that, we, we got to know one uh, other character on the ship. There's also that guy who's uh, at the at the helm. So we see the two helms people. One is that lady that uh, yeah. Rutherford went out on the date with. <clears throat> and there's this other guy with curlier hair, mm-hmm. who I still don't know if we know the name of. But um, I think so. yeah, I think, I think we've covered everything else that we added to the World of Trek. Cardassians, DNG theme, anything else that we need to talk about in terms of lore additions? I mean, I think adjudication geodes are going to uh, probably be a, co- a theme coming back up mm-hmm. in uh, Discovery once they go a thousand years into the future. So I, 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 yeah, I do really appreciate the additions this episode has made. Okay, so then let's talk well, about oh, the, the lot. Sorry, I just, the other thing that totally is like, well, it's expanding the universe. I mean, the greatest Starfleet officer of all time, Chief Miles O'Brien. Yeah, oh, yes. I feel yeah, like yeah, that's kind did. of an important thing to lift up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So my brother for Christmas one year got me. Oh, what is it called, Adam? Oh. It was the. Um, it was basically like the, you know the life and times of Miles O'Brien or whatever. But it's a. It just kind of shows his day to day life in the transporter room because he was a transporter chief on the Enterprise. But like just totally boring. Like nothing ever happened. Like- Riker's having an affair with his wife and like all of these things. And it's just like how sad and pathetic <laughs> Miles O'Brien's life is. It's so and it's totally it's a. It's a riff on his character in TNG, not really representative of what his character was like in Deep Space Nine. But yeah, the, anyway. the, the comic is uh, Chief O'Brien at Work, uh, which That's... is, it's an absolutely amazing comic if you haven't re- uh, seen it. Uh, and they, they actually have, it's chiefobrienatwork.com uh, and they let you click to episode one so you can just kind of see the whole thing. It's, it's fabulous. Well, and especially well, the the statue that they have of him looks just like how yes. he's depicted in yeah. that entire uh, comic. So. Yeah, so I, I think it is probably a, a reference to that comic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I read on StarTrek.com that Mike McMahon also said that, you know, if you talk to the captain and the commander, they're probably going to be like Kirk, Spock, Picard, you know, whatever. Whereas the lower deckers are going to pick Miles O'Brien they're interacting with that person more and see that mm-hmm. person is more influential mm-hmm. so this is like kind of one more of those things where this series is a different take yeah um yeah it's it pretty pretty amusing uh especially the very last thing that you see in the episode are there any other things about temporal edicts you want to discuss before we move on so let's let's then get on to our edict well not edict our judgment. Verdict? Our adjudication geode. <laughs> our <strange new laughs> like it. Our strange new ratings for this episode. <laughs> Are you going to crush Emperor Edict with the adjudication geode or do your people go free? Um, <laughs> what's, uh, what's, what's, your, what's your ratings, everybody? Where are you going to go? Uh, I'll start. Oh, go ahead. No, no you, you go uh, first. Ridiculous. I'll start. I will drop the geode but um it will not um result in fatalities there will be scratches and, and people will escape so i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a six and a half on ten um because um I, I just felt like i said earlier that the whole episode pivots on the fact that the captain feels inferior 
um, and and I just don't think starships are run that way. Um, there's there's always like a second in command that that usually, um, you know, second guesses or at least weighs in on a decision. Um, I mean, outside of that, th- there were, there was good comedy, obviously animated show, good comedy throughout. Um, good quotes um but I, I think they could have done better again with uh tendy and rutherford right they sort of put him in the background so that's me who wants to go next stick your neck out for the geode yeah so so it's my, only a spear wound my verdict is the geode falls because vindor wins and i just want to see vindor win because i really <laughs> like vindor uh, but that doesn't mean I thought the episode was bad. I thought it was really good. Okay. But the geode uh, has to fall. <laughs> what would your rating be, though? Uh, eight geodes. Eight oh, geodes. wow. Eight falling geodes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I, I think I, I got to take a, a completely different uh, track from, from Rudy here. I, I think, uh, for me, this episode has... Uh, sort of sold me on that this is just this is going to be a good show uh and like the 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 first episode i thought was really great the second episode it, it wasn't my favorite but i think it was sort of a solid entry in like just if that's going to be like one of our worst episodes then totally fine with that being kind of the thing Th- this one i i just i am i'm in love with it 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 uh it had hit so many moments for me uh i think uh I, I hate giving things perfect scores, so I think I'm going to go for uh, nine adjudication geodes out of ten death races. But uh, <laughs> this, this episode, nice. it, there was so much that was great about this episode. That's right, they're going to switch to races. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I was going to go with 4.5, but you know, I, I don't want you to think I did that because Adam did a 9 out of 10. Uh-oh. But I, I did mine out of 5 last week, so I feel like I have to, I need to have some consistency. But um, I'm doing a 4.5 because I was waiting for the two-fisted <laughs> fight no. scene move. And the, um, the Riker lean... And just, I mean, it's just totally a love letter to TNG. And I know, I think some of you talked about uh, uh, Voyager being your first Star Trek, like your first real Star Trek, and TNG was mine. And so, um, because I'm a little bit older than you all. But uh, yeah, so, and yeah, I just, I I don't know. This was such a love letter to TNG that I have to give it a 4.5. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to rate this one Diamond. Not crystal, not zircon, but it's diamond, and uh, I, I enjoyed it very much, uh, and so I'll, I'll just leave it at that because I've gushed enough in this episode about about temporal edicts. So before we go, any final final things that you all would like to talk about? Uh, was was the thing about uh, Mariner loving jail a reference to Trailer Park Boys? Did you guys watch that? Okay, no. I'll, I'll leave it there. <clears throat> I, I, I did forget, actually. There's, there's the one, my favorite line of this entire episode was Dr. Tana being like, you look like a fucking scratching post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. I actually, had to pause it because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually going to come under pressure and upgrade my score by 0.5 because Ooh, of oh. the bad as a weapon i did fall down laughing when the bad was being thrown around so, <laughs> yes. so, so where does that put you again at seven, seven. <laughs> still, okay. uh, All right. we are tracking these ratings so you will you will hear from them if people deviate in the future so uh <laughs> all right, well, well, that's that's all we've got for you this week on Strange New Takes. I want to thank my co-hosts for this week, Emily Bone Marlar, Adam Bone, Rudy Kaspaker, Bill Wywood. I want to thank Max and Diana who are not here this week. Uh, they will return in due time. And thank you, listener, for being here. We appreciate you. Of course, mention us on social media and, and places that you talk about Star Trek. Follow us at Strange New Takes on all your social media. Thank you, Jishnu Gua, for our theme music. Uh, he's got a podcast called Geek Fruit that you can listen to if you so wish. And thanks to Windor for in, in, inspiring all of us with his love of reading. 
Uh, hopefully he gets to host a television reading show on his home planet called Reading Crystals. I, I really hope for his <laughs> sake that he can do that. All right, thanks everybody. See you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.